we analyze Christianity, history, and education. This week we will discuss culture, colonialism, and psychological development in part two of a black paper on white racism. Again, we will analyze the intentional and unintentional effects of the institutional pattern of oppression of non-whites in America and the world. Our panelists are Dr. Alvin Poussant, Associate Professor of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts, He's also author of the forthcoming book, Why Blacks Kill Blacks. Dan Watts, editor and publisher of Liberator Magazine. Mr. Watts is a member of the faculty at Fordham University in New York. Imamu Amidi Baraka, poet, playwright, and political activist who heads the Committee for a Unified Newark in New Jersey. He is also a member of the Executive Council of the Congress of African People. Dr. Poussaint? Yeah, let me just first... Uh say that I think first we have to establish that racism, white racism, r racism, is a mental illness. Now, I say that because many white social scientists would like to define racism as something normal in the culture, as a cultural variant. And I think as long as we approach it that way, we really don't deal with the pathology of racism itself. It's like saying that cancer, because a lot of people have in this society, that cancer is somehow normal, but we know that cancer kills and racism kills and destroys also. And it would be like defining uh, Hitler's slaughter of the Jews as somehow normal. And I think we have to face the fact that r racism is a mental aberration. And I think underlying white racism is a white paranoia, a fear or a delusion that black people, colored people in the world are somehow going to destroy and hurt the white man. And it's very convenient, I think, for whites to project their impulses, their unacceptable feelings onto blacks, and, and pretend that they are the wholly good ones and make blacks uh, the victims. So I think that racism is something that doesn't only affect the victim, that is the black man, but also affects the victimizer, the white man, and it's bad for his mental health too, because he doesn't face himself honestly. He, he pretends that the problem lies outside of himself, so that this society never deals with its violence, its own perversion, uh, its own corruption. They pretend that somehow if you, get, if you get rid of all the niggers, that everything will be solved, will be much better off. And of course, that's not so, but that's a delusion. And it even, I think, carries over into our foreign policy, our attitude toward uh, Asians, our attitudes in Vietnam, the massacres, the slaughter, the feeling that we we are superior and can that is we the white man, not not uh, not us, can destroy and wipe out other people because uh, we're the chosen people, so to speak. I think that um, 
that whites then really don't uh, mature fully uh, themselves. In addition, they have to experience a chronic anxiety and a type of chronic guilt that we all know exists uh, because of the fact that blacks are discriminated against in this, uh, this country. In many other ways, they use it uh, in their fantasies uh, about sex or other types of acting out uh, in the society, uh, which is, is detrimental not only to whites but to blacks also. I'm focusing on, on whites because frequently when we talk about racism and their psychological effects, we only talk about the effects on black people. And this is bad, I think, because it's, it's sort of a negative approach but makes black people feel that somehow they're mentally deranged, uh, even though uh, we say it's due to racism. And I think we have to be careful about that, begin, begin to focus some of the sickness or the pathology back on its source, which is uh, the, the white community or the white racist uh, in the white community. Of course, uh, racism also has many effects uh, on blacks. I think we emphasize the negative too much. The self-hate concept is overplayed and exaggerated. We never talk about the self-love that it ha has helped black people to survive uh, in this society and to grow. Uh, you have to remember, too, that uh, the very fact that you, you say someone has self-hate, that you're influencing that person's self-concept, that that person, if he, if he focuses around the, the negative, will begin to believe, too, that all of the things that are said about him uh, in this way are, are true. So you can camouflage uh, negativisms in, in psychological language or jargon, uh, but it still may be a way of putting down someone or, or seeing them in, in, a, in, a bad, in a bad light. I think uh, stemming from the self-hate concept, too, you know, people play up the self-destructive aspects of blacks. But we all know that you know, blacks may have some self-destruction, but that the problem is not like black suicide. The problem is really in the genocide, uh, that the, the white community, the dominant society, has toward, toward the black uh, community, and that the black suicide issue is really a secondary uh, one. I can go on to talk about you know, other aspects of this, but I think a lot of it will come out in discussion here on the panel. Brother what? Well, <coughs> I find myself, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to disagree with you, just slightly, good brother, in defining white racism. Uh, where I see it, somewhat as a historian, white racism is a minor issue. White racism is a minor byproduct of white power. White power, which derives its its power from the dominant group, which happens to be white. I think it's a universal trait of all dominant groups to impose their will, their culture, their value system on a minority group. Uh, wherever you go in the world, the history of the world, there's the history of one, mi one majority group of people imposing its will and its power upon, quote, a minority. We can take a look at uh, a small island people who called themselves Britons, who over a space of five, six centuries were able to dominate the world, to impose upon the rest of the world the Protestant ethics, English as the primary language, uh, the whole value, the whole culture system. It had very little to do with race, and I think one of the problems that we 
black people have in America, uh, that we always tend to look and view whites in terms of, uh, of the one, color, and in terms of uh, racism, rather than in terms of a, ma a majority people exercising power. And I think one of the problems that we in the black community have to deal with is this fantasy world that we have been forced to develop. You see, by our inability to confront the realities of this overwhelming power, and it's there, militarily speaking, economically speaking, politically speaking, it is there. It is white power which we must deal with. Uh, the white racism is something would disappear tomorrow if we had a, a six-shooter, let's say, that we could confront a white man and says, now, uh, Charlie or Chuck or whatever name, or Mr. White Man, if you will, well, it happens to be raining today. The fact that there was no rain dropping on either one of us, but by the mere act of pointing this six-shooter at him, which represents power, we're able to change his mind. And I think that we are in the pursuit of folly if we are going to continue this endless debate on white racism. What we must begin to, to, to confront is white power with black power. Now, there seems to be there are only two ways in which black people today can confront this. Either it could be, it can take the form of an armed confrontation, which is almost total suicide, or a mass migration back to Africa, which is almost total suicide again, because Africa has given no indication that it is ready to receive back 25 or 30 million Americans of African descent. So that kind of leaves us really in limbo and allows the, the intellectuals to intellectualize forever uh, the question of what white racism is. White racism is simply uh, a white power. Tomorrow, uh, when President Nixon, or the next day, or the day after, when he makes his journey to Peking for peace, and as the People's Republic of China begins to get its thing together in terms of ICBMs, namely missiles aimed at the United States, we will begin to hear about the Chinese. We won't be hearing about third world forces any longer. We'll then have to confront Chinese racism, because a majority people will be in the position to impose their values, their cultures upon a minority group. So I think the problem, the dilemma of the black man really in America is how is he going to identify and who he's going to identify with? Brother Baraka? Well, I was asked to um, define uh, culture. What is culture? And uh, I'd like to relate it to what uh, the other two panelists have said, how they've initiated their uh, talks. Uh, first, when we speak of uh, culture in terms of a um, European definition, uh, we always tend to make a superficial definition of it as uh, the creative art, singing, dancing, poetry, and so forth. But the nationalists, Pan-African nationalists, views uh, culture as a total value system. It is a total way of looking at the world, a total way of interpreting the world, a total way of living in the world. So that we define culture totally as a total value system, also a moral system, a moral construct, and institutions that are set up to maintain that way of looking at the world and to develop that way of looking at the world. Uh, the fall of African peoples, that is, the putting of African peoples into slavery, meant, uh, to a large extent, the destruction, you know, through warfare, through slavery, of their culture, 
but as their way of living. And the subjugation, uh, imposing of another culture on them, as the brother here says, through superior power. Um, when we speak now of a means of uh, defeating uh, white supremacy, which is what we call it, which is a combination of white power and white racism in combination, you know. Uh, we say that the only way this can be done is by developing first an alternative value system and then alternative institutions to maintain and develop that value system. Uh, cultures manifested through religion, through history, through politics, through economics, through social organization, through creativity, and through ethos and the uh, construction of institutions to maintain and develop this way of looking at the world this is what nations do and this is the way a culture is uh, uh, brought through the ages now in terms of dealing specifically with uh, whether black people have to like pick up the gun I'll go back to Africa, which is what Mr. Watts said, and then he ended up by saying they're both futile, which would leave us with a kind of leftist, integrationist, uh, feudal look where we really can't do much of anything but do what we're doing, which, if it's pleasant enough, if you are in a situation where that's pleasant enough, then you don't mind doing that. But for the majority of black people who must have change, then we must find a way to end the domination of African peoples and colored peoples by European peoples. That is, we are dominated by European culture by European guns. I mean, European culture dominates us through European guns. You understand what I'm saying? So it's a total thing. So we say that the only way to do that is to develop a value system which is an alternative to that psychological and cultural domination. And the only way you can manifest that is by creating alternative institutions alternative political institutions, which number one would be a political party. Alternative educational institutions, which would be independent African educational systems, you know, throughout America and throughout wherever black people are. That is the Pan-Africanist version of it. But to talk futilely about not being able to do anything but to be enslaved, but to be happily, fashionably enslaved, yeah, I find that kind of... Uh, Irritating. Uh, brother, let me uh, 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 clarify this question. Uh, I was not advocating any form of realism. I wasn't advocating any kind of sub uh, suspended, animated, uh, left-wing uh, integration. What I was advocating, or what I was trying to do, was set this canvas in which we must approach the problem. Uh, realistically rather than a world of fantasy. You very correctly pointed out the, the, the domination, the European domination of, 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 of non-white peoples or black peoples throughout the world in terms of economics and in terms of culture. Well, if we could take a leaf from European history for a moment as an example that it took well over a thousand years for the nation states of Europe to define their borders, but in the process of defining their borders, they also were defining themselves as a people. And it seems to me, this was the point, you see, I was, this is what I was really leading up to, that the first order of business, if we can accept the reality of what our lives are about now, then we can move away from the fantasies of running off to Africa or 
or some of the other fantasies that we exercise here, such as integration, because not even, quote, the Euro-Americans are integrated in that sense of the word in which black people have always talked about integration. But if we can begin to define ourselves, and this kind of definition, brother, comes out of struggle. It was only out of struggle that the nation states of Europe were able to define their boundaries and in the process define themselves and then their culture. From then, they were able to spring forth on the rest of the world. And I think that we might have a problem uh, uh, containing our definition of ourselves based on uh, the nation states of Europe. I no, think I'm that, no, I, I was thinking I'm that's a good idea that we take into consideration all people's histories and use that. But I think maybe it might be to our disadvantage to consistently define ourselves through European experience. I think that is one of our consistent problems. What we're saying is not fantasizing about going back to Africa because Africa exists right now. We're saying that as Pan-Africanists, and I don't think I'm the first one to say this, if you read Sylvester uh, Blyden or know Sylvester Williams or, yes, yes. or any, any Pan-Africanist history uh, from Garvey or Du Bois or Padmore, then you know that what we're talking about actually is the establishment of an African, an independent, unified Africa, that is the continent of Africa, but at the same time bringing self-determination to Africans and people of African descent wherever they are in the world, yeah, whether, no they're, point, excuse me, excuse me, whether they are in Australia or Harlem. And it is not fantasy to regard one as an African if one is African descent. I think it is more fantastic to regard one as some kind of uh, European mutant. Well, let me put it to you another way, right. as part of this world of fantasy, that most of the Pan-Africanists, and this is just for some historical correction, most of the Pan-Africanists, of course, were not born in Africa, but were born either in the Caribbean or in uh, America. It's peculiar that the exiles always tend to be more pro-Pan-Africanists than the Africans themselves, but that is not the... They're the ones who started the exiles. Yeah, yeah right. right. The, the exiles, not, 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 the, Biden, home, right, not the homegrown right. African, but the exiles. Okay, but let's get down to this whole question now of... Except what? for Kaisley Hayford in okay. West Africa and in Kruman. Okay, and, okay, I'm willing to buy that. Who are Pan-Africanists, and Toure and Nyeri, yeah. who are Pan-Africanists. Oh, wait, now, wait, now, uh, wait a minute now, uh, brother. Uh, they were inspired by the early teachings and writings of the exiles, if I remember my history correctly. But I'm not, I don't think we want to get too much into history here. I think what we want to deal with or try to deal with I today, think for a lot of us, getting into history would be the first step toward redefining no, ourselves as African people. I, am not, I have no quarrel with that. What I'm trying to find out is what does it mean in terms of combating power? You see, when you, this is what I'm interested in. I, I try to define that as first, that you cannot combat power unless you create an entity which you see as an alternative to the power uh, of Language, custom, dance, uh, all of these artifacts of culture, which, which I find uh, most of... You ever of, heard of Mao Zedong? I've heard of Mao Zedong, right. who happens to be an Oriental, right. who have been calling a President Nixon a paper tiger, and now they're about to sit down Absolutely. to have Chinese ribs and tea together, which That's means right. we black people are still going to be outside that door. But have you ever heard of the Cultural Revolution that Mao waged in the Yeah, but Mao part? was able to wage this. But do you know why he did that? I, I know why he well, did it. Well, tell me why he did it. Well, I'm not going to... Well, come on. Why don't we get back <laughs> to, like, black folks over here? I mean, Thank you. Because I think we have to deal with that. Let me just say, though, that I think that uh, white racism as it relates to blacks is a special type of psychological thing. 
that whites oppressing whites are dealing with each other has a different type of psychological aberration. And I think because black folks have a black skin color, and what all that means in terms of white's elaboration of that is bad, is evil, is dirty, and filth, and all sorts of things, and the way blacks incorporate that. But the question I have from a psychological standpoint is whether black people in this country, given the conditioning, the propaganda of the mass media, all the things that go on, can they find themselves and have self-determination or find their cultural self within the confines of American shores? Now, I, I think it's a very hard and difficult question or thing to deal with. Uh, let's assume that it's true. Now, let's, let's assume now that, 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 that the millennium has been reached in terms of the re-established, the re-emergence of this, of this pure entity, the pan-African, the, the, the black man who is totally together in terms of his culture, in terms of his values, yet how, is, how does he exist in let this me, oasis? Let me, let me, let me, can let me, he, can let me he exist as, a, as an economic you, entity? Dan, let me redefine yeah. something, because I think you have a kind of a, a white definition of culture that you keep imposing on this conversation where you're, you continue to make it about dancing and singing and just the, the clothes as being culture, quote, in a little box. And I began by defining culture as a total way of looking at things, at understanding the world. The difference, say, between, uh, uh, say, the concept of ujamaa, uh, cooperative economics, the familyhood concept, and, and say, uh, the absentee landlord concept, uh, uh, the difference between, say, the, the African concept of umoja, uh, and, and say the uh, European concept of in the individual and rugged individualism, which the African, quite frankly, thinks is pathological. That in, in, that's until, not universally true African, though. That's not universally true think about Africa. I was just setting, right. setting the stage right. for saying that. Until you can understand the need for creating a value system, a way of looking at the world that is an alternative to European ways of looking and understanding the world. Because as long as you understand the world through European value system, you will never want anything else but what Europeans want. You can never defeat John Wayne if you think like John Wayne and love John Wayne. If you want the same institutions that John uh, Wayne no, wants. Give me a little more credit than that. Not, I wasn't talking about you. Uh, I was uh, saying okay. second person through. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, but, so, <laughs> not John Wayne, you know. Uh, yeah, but what Brother Baraka says is very psychologically true because you take, you take psychology and psychiatry they're constantly defining black folk, and they put white up there, white European values, as the normal value. So from that vantage point, they can look at black folks and other people and say they're culturally deprived, you see? Because the definition and the standard is coming from their perspective and value system. Absolutely. Uh, people themselves would never sit around a table and de describe themselves as culturally deprived. Yeah, but look, let's just put it to you another way. And the All problem right. with most of the leftist-type Negroes is that they have even come up with a series of revolution that depend on European okay. Well, all right, okay. Mm -hmm. now, if, let's, I'm saying now that black Americans have finally got it together in terms of culture. Now, as long if as they this... do that, they will automatically, they will automatically have moved incrementally up towards power because culture also means they would have to get together an alternative political institution which is a means of gaining, maintaining, and using power. Yes, but, that the is part of black yeah, but the political institutions or the realities of the political institutions in America today are such that probably the only freely elected candidates to Congress in the United States that have very few commitments back to big business are probably black congressmen. 
but the realities of the power situation in terms of politics, without the economic control, political power is useless, that you're merely, uh, it's, a, it's a holding action, it's a holding action for the dominant white power structure. We, we understand that, uh, Dan, I'm saying that you cannot move in a total economic uh, thrust until you begin to consolidate your political thrust and, and consolidate the actual areas which you want to maintain some economic domination over. Look, uh, you, you use the let's assume for the moment we use the political instrument as a means of, for black people to move along. Traditionally, each ethnic group, white ethnic group that came to America, used the local government as a means, as a stepping stone <coughs> to consolidate its political and also economic power. Judging by the bankruptcy of the cities, they plundered the public trust. Mm -hmm. all of the various white ethnic groups. Now, there's no money well, left that, in the European Central. Well, let me say that. Uh, now, that's, that's another myth. That's, again, another myth well, that, you, that you're making. You know? which, See, the problem which, is... Which myth now? Let's, the let's, myth that the cities are bankrupt. That's a myth. Uh, 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 you mind if I'll, I'll just take a breather on this? Well, all right. Because you see, when you tell me it's a myth, now, what do you, how do you, what do you back it up with? I when I say a city is bankrupt, I'm talking about the economic time. bankruptcy of the city. Right. Okay. okay. Let, me, let me say this to you. The cities are like the, uh, the repositories, the large cities are the repositories for the wealth of those states. That's where the money is. In Newark, which is supposed to be a poor city, $3.5 billion a year, only in retail, goes through there. Now, the black people in that city get less than six-tenths of one percent of that money. That is because we have no institutions, even for that six-tenths of one percent. Excuse me, institutions? let me, let me go when ahead. You, no, no, when you say institutions, what do you mean by institutions? Any kind of institution is just a, a, a structure for completing a process, seeing a process uh, repeated. For instance, a, an institution is a bank, an institution is a school, an institution okay, is a okay, hospital. Okay. You understand that? Yeah. We make $32 billion a year as a people. The, the, where do you uh, make it from? Me, no, where do you make the $32 billion let, let me, from? Let me, let, me, let me continue. Can I continue? We make $32 billion a year as a people, our gross national product. The, the, the Mexicans make only uh, uh, $21 billion. The, the Nigerians, who have 55 million people, only make $5 billion. That is, we, we dominate colored people in terms of the kinds of gross national product we have, but we have no institutions with which to systematize that wealth and see it used to benefit our own people. Brother, but the point is, where? Where does the black Americans get this $32 billion from? Is it generated get from, from black-owned corporations? No. From no, black-owned no, no, business? No, 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 absolutely. Some of it is, but a very min minimal part of it. Most of it is generated from white-controlled industry and government. Right. Absolutely. Okay. But the point is this, Dan, that $32 billion which comes through our hands in those fleeting moments comes through so quickly because we do not have institutions as repositories to maintain and develop that money because we have no way to hold it. It goes right back. We get the money from one white man, we go to another white man at a store and give it to him. The money we have left, we give it to another white man in a bank. He takes the money in the bank and he uses it to uh, begin to invest in white communities. He will go out into a white suburb and build a white shopping center with money that welfare mothers and, and uh, uh, anti-poverty uh, uh, people and bloods who work in um, the uh, factory put in those banks. We don't have any institutions because we do not have a value system that says we have to build black communities. Many of us think that we're hung up in the white system, and so we never feel ourselves as separated from it. 
I can't see. I can't see where you and I disagree at this oh, point okay. on this because this is precisely the point I've been trying to make from the beginning that to 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 zero in on just political power is meaningless if we don't have some control over this economic power. This is why I'm very pleased to hear you define what you meant by institutions precisely. This is what's needed now. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I'm glad. Thank you very much. This concludes part two, a black paper on white racism. This portion has dealt with personality development, colonialism, and values.